Praise God, brothers and sisters. Our God is good, amen? Amen. So the title of my sermon that I want to share with you guys today is called The Last Times, The Wise and the Foolish. And we're going to do a little bit of reading here. Um, So if you will, open with me to Matthew um, chapter 25. We'll read verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, Go rather to the dealer and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And a quick question for you guys. How many have of you have heard this parable before? Okay. So I've, I've heard it lots of times as well um, growing up um, in church. And I know, you know, nowadays we don't use lamps. Um, we don't walk to any celebrations. Um, and this parable probably made a whole lot more sense at the time, to the, or it was more applicable to the people then. But I want you guys to open up your minds and open up your hearts because there's a lot we can take out here. And, um, you know, I don't want you guys just to shut off because it's, it's an um, ancient story or ancient times. And so if we look at this parable, in the simplest form, we have two groups, the wise and the foolish. And they all had the same destination um, to get to. And the wise, knowing this, they, they were prepared and they had enough oil for the day and for the future. And they were the ones that actually thought about the future. And the foolish, on the other hand, they barely had enough oil for the day. And they hadn't even thought about the future. And um, even though they all had the same exact destination, uh, the foolish didn't think about the future. And the key point here is that the wise were prepared for the future. And this parable, um, it's an analogy, and it's really talking about heaven and the coming of the bridegroom is the return of Christ for his church and I think uh, one of the things we forget or we tune out when we hear this parable is that the wise and the foolish that's actually talking about me and talking about you and you know where each of us is or falls into only you and God know Um, but what I do know is that each of us today has complete and full control over being on one or the other side. And if we look at that last verse there, verse 13, um, it says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And kind of the golden nugget here with that verse is that you have to be prepared. 
And, you know, each of us is on this same exact journey. And this parable, it applies to us now. You know, it's not something for hundreds of years back. It's not something for tomorrow, and it's not, you know, something for 20 years from now. It's for today, and being wise or foolish is a lifestyle that each of us choose. And it's a lifestyle because you don't know the exact day or hour, just like we read. And so you have to be prepared. And the only way you can be prepared is to make God and to make Christianity um, a lifestyle, and not just something that happens on a Tuesday or a Sunday for you a couple days a week. And, you know, when it comes to kind of our own welfare and our own needs, we're, we're really good at planning ahead. You know, for family get-togethers, for Christmas, Thanksgiving, we're, we're able to think ahead and plan for the future. You know, when getting together for friends to watch a game, we're able to do that. You know, we're good at thinking ahead about our careers, making sure we go to college, we're good at thinking ahead about, you know, saving up for maybe that new car. But, you know, the interesting thing is when it comes to God and preparing and investing in our future, it's almost as if all that logic is gone and all that preparation goes out the window. And, you know, and I want to take this parable a step further and kind of look at the significant um, and interesting time that we live in today. And so we're going to read a couple more verses. So this time we'll read from Matthew um, 24, verse 37 to 39. It says, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came, and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So life, I know life is busy for everyone. We're always um, busy doing something. And, you know, any extra time we have, we seem to use for our own self-indulgence, maybe for our own hobbies, um, or maybe to make some extra money. And the last thing we, we seem to think about is, giving and investing that time into God, and it shouldn't be so. And here in this, um, in this Bible verse that we read, the, the Bible compares the flood to the second coming. And, you know, during the flood, it was a subtle coming. No one really expected the flood to come. And, you know, what Jesus is saying here is in the last days, it'll be just the same. There's going to be no huge riding in the sky for us to look up and, and that tells us that the end is near. But the wise that are attached to God, that are in God's word, they will know. And from the Bible, we know that we won't know the exact day or time, but that doesn't mean we won't know the general time frame or uh, the order of events. And a uh, matter of fact, there's a few Bible verses that um, tell us some of the signs that we'll see when the um, end is near. And I kind of want to call all of us to think about and to action and not to be ignorant, you know, of a lot of these things that um, we're going to read today and not to be foolish, but to be prepared and to study the Word of God so you, you know when you're prepared. 
Uh, so let's look at some of these Bible verses. And um, I think these Bible verses help us understand and orient us in uh, the time that we live in today. So uh, the verse I wanted to read is uh, Matthew 24, verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. So I don't know if you guys noticed, but you know, in the past 20, 20 years or so, um, so this is kind of um, in my lifetime, in your lifetime, there have been um, many different wars that have started. There's been wars in Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Somalia, Syria, Libya, Uganda, Yemen. There's been conflicts in Ukraine. And the ones that I just listed, those are the, just the ones that the U.S. was involved with. And a lot of us, I mean, we have nothing to do with military, so we're shielded from a lot of these things, but these things are happening. And, you know, even when it, we just read this verse, it says there's going to be rumors of uh, wars, and there's been rumors of World War III, of Russia going to war with America, um, nuclear threats from North Korea, um, nuclear threats from Iran. And, you know, these are all things that are happening now and happening in our lifetime. And they don't mean that the end is here, but they do warn us to be on guard and to be prepared. And, but a lot of times we're so distracted with our daily lives and we've become sort of spiritually asleep and um, we forget to notice these things that are right in front of us. And um, the Bible also tells us that in the last days there will be earthquakes and natural disasters all around us. But the end is not yet. And th these are the birthing pains of the end. And if you look kind of from a global standpoint worldwide, um, in the last, again, 20 years, there's been a lot of earthquakes, a lot of hurricanes, fires, so many things happening more and more frequently with a heavier force. And my point with all this is for you to realize what's going on around you and what it means for you um, as a Christian living in these times. Um, and if, if we go even deeper, if we look at Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy um, verse 3 through 5, or we'll just do verse, uh, sorry, Second Tim, Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 through 2. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. And there's a lot kind of in this chapter that it talks about. And a couple things that I wanted to call to your attention here is, you know, it says, number one, it says, in the last days, people will become lovers of self. If you look around, you know, the main use of social media, I mean, not all of it, but it's, it's always, it always seems to be to show something off that you have, maybe a car, maybe clothing, um, you know, even selfies, you know, if, if we look back 10 years ago, if someone took a, a selfie, it would be, you would, you would be ridiculous, but nowadays it's become uh, more and more of the norm, and, you know, all this shows that the world as a whole is embracing and encouraging, you know, for us to be lovers of self, 
that, you know, it's always all about me. And number two, in the last days, people will become lovers of money. And, you know, I know people that have, um, you know, kind of decreased their involvement in ministry or even stepped away from ministry because, you know, the construction industry is doing so good. And, you know, I even have many friends in different um, industries that a lot of times when we get together, we start to have a good conversation, and it always seems to lead towards money. And even with disobedient children, you know, I don't think um, in, in a general sense, you know, it's children have been as disobedient as they are today. And even if we look at, you know, a lot of the things that have become illegal today, it's just, it's just disturbing, you know. But that's where the world is headed. And the list is very long. I mean, you can read this chapter for yourself and see how much of it is true and, you know, kind of where that puts the world. And if, and let's kind of zoom back out a little bit and um, kind of go back to my main point. So, God, you know, God gave a lot to us through grace. You know, the truth, um, getting out of the bondage of sin was given to us through grace. You know, by the grace of God, God showed me myself that I was a sinner and God showed me a way um, out, you know, and I couldn't have figured that out myself. I couldn't have found a way out myself, and I didn't deserve any of it, but God gave that to me. He showed me a way out. But when it comes to making, you know, that final choice from there, you know, that choice is up to each of us. You know, each of us has that full control over the decision of where where we, where we choose to fall. Do we choose to fall in the wise or the foolish group? And, you know, ignorance and kind of ignoring all, all the things that are going on today isn't going to help you. You know, God has shown us the truth. And, you know, I want everyone today to kind of look at your life and evaluate where you stand, you know, because this is serious stuff. We're talking about our eternal life. We're talking about salvation, you know, and ask yourself, are you, are you truly prepared? Because I truly believe, you know, that we're in the last times, and by God's grace, God has showed us all these things, and he has left his word for us to guide us and to prepare us and to let us know of the times um, that we live in. And um, I know, you know, it's a kind of a heavy message to process. And, um, and before we um, stand up for prayer, you know, I want to share um, an encouraging verse for all of us. Um, so Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, I want us to realize, you know, the, all these things that I've shared today, you know, we don't have to face them on our own. God has given us the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be afraid of what tomorrow holds or what the future holds. God has given us everything we need. And we just need to see God put more of our time into God and trust in Him, and He'll, He'll lead us through the highs and the lows. And, you know, most importantly, don't wait for tomorrow um, to make the choice. 
but make, you know, God your lifestyle today. You know, each of us can make that choice um, today and choose to be on the side of the wise. And, you know, God wants a relationship with each of us, and God wants to help and guide us, and he wants to be our comforter, and he wants us to find security in him. And he's just waiting for each of you, and he's inviting you um, into his arms. Um, and if we will, let's stand up for prayer. Good evening, church, brothers and sisters. It's good to be here with you guys. I respect your time. So if you bear with me, if you guys give me at least five minutes of your attention, no distractions from your cell phones, your coffees, your purses, your neighbors, I promise I'll make it worth your time. Um, at least I'll make it worth your spirit's time. <laughs> Let's put it that way. All right. Um, my topic for the sermon that I was going to share today is called Misplaced Hunger. And each one of us, we hunger for something. Our flesh hungers, our spirit hungers. And those two are kind of a dichotomy in our being. They're always warring with one another. Um, the Bible verse that I wanted to share, and I, I feel like this is the theme of the evening. It's kind of more of a conviction rather than like an encouragement or a blessing or to tell you guys how beautiful you are or how loved you are or how blessed and uh, how much grace has God's bestowed upon you. All of that has its own place, but conviction has a very special place in our, in our lives because it actually produces some kind of change. Um, and so the verse that I want to share with us, the first one, is one of the most frightening and terrifying verses, I think, in the entirety of Scripture that applies to each one of us individually. Okay, This is probably a verse that we cannot dismiss and say, this is not me. And if you can, this is great. If, if, you, if you find yourself that you are not part of this, you are, you're good. You're good with God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would rather that thou art cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing." And knows not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Revelations 3.15. Really quick breakdown. Jesus says that I would rather you be cold than lukewarm. Do you guys understand what that means? He's saying that the hot is the Christian, the one that's on God's side, the one that's burning for God, the one that's living like a child of God. And the cold is the one that doesn't even know God that lives a very, very sinful, godless life. He's saying, I would rather you be a complete non-believer. I'd rather you be an atheist, if I can say that. I'd rather you not have anything to do with me than have some to do with me and something to do with the world. Be halfway in the church and halfway with the world. Playing a little bit here, playing a little bit there. Visiting the church every once in a while, yet you're having so much fun in this world and you're, you're hungry and you're trying to be fulfilled by what the world offers. Jesus is saying this, is, this kind of state, this lukewarm state is so disgusting to me that I would rather just spit you out of my mouth. I'll spew you. I'll, some, some translations or some Hebrew 
scholars say it, it means to vomit you out of my mouth. So imagine you're standing before Christ in your lukewarm state, right? You're kind of in the world. You're living according to, you know, the things of this world. Um, and you stand before Christ, and he says, all right, Andre. And he has this disgusting taste in his mouth. Imagine a bug, a tarantula, like a beetle, something just vile and gross that's stuck in your mouth. Like, what is your tendency to do? Like, you're going to gently pull it out, right? It's going to be okay. You're just going to take it out and place it. Just throw it on the ground, stomp it. You're going to try to get it out of your mouth as quickly as possible because it's disgusting. Same with vomit. If you've vomited before, it is such a disgusting taste. You want to go rinse your mouth out. You want to spit it out of your mouth. Do you want to be one of those Christians, quote, unquote, that stands before God on judgment day or when you go into heaven, when you die, and he says your name with that kind of disgust? Um, I think this is serious because having a hunger for the world, it's not an abstract idea. It's not something that's, that's kind of just, an, just something that doesn't really make sense. And I'm not really part of the world because I'm sitting in church. The clothes that you're wearing is the world. The thing that's in your pocket that's worth $300 to $500 to $1,000, that's of the world. The thing that you're driving, the thing that you're living in, the thing that you're going to school, that is of the world. So it's saying that when you hunger, when you seek for those things, and please understand me correctly, it's not wrong to have a car, a cell phone, clothes, even nice clothes, even riches. When you hunger and you seek for those things, you are now in a lukewarm position. You are now in a position where Christ would rather you be a complete non-believer. Of course, he'd rather you be um, a complete Christian, complete follower, but he'd rather you be a non-believer than someone that's halfway in the world and halfway in the church. Matthew 5, 6. 5, 6. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The blessing is not in the filling. The blessing is in the hunger. So you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, when you hunger and thirst for the rightness of God, for the goodness of God, for God's law, for God's rules, for God's commandments, for what Christ has said, for what Christ has done. When you hunger and you seek after those things, you are going to be blessed. The, fu the fulfillment, the fulfilling is kind of a byproduct of the hunger itself. And I'd, I'd want each one of us tonight to take a minute and think, what am I hungry for in my life? Am I hungry? Am I seeking some kind of um, affirmation? Am I seeking some kind of recognition from my peers? Am I seeking some kind of uh, esteemed position in church, uh, a, a good position in, in my career? Am I seeking a high education? Am I seeking, am I hungry for, for good friends, for a good clique? Am I hungry for some kind of something that's other than God? Once again, Understand, it's not wrong. None of those things are in and of themselves wrong. The problem is when we hunger for those things, when we search for those things, and we don't hunger and search for God's righteousness. When we seek God's kingdom, when we hunger for him, all of those things will be added. Your heart is not going to be, um, it's not going to seek, it's not going to want those things. Those things may come, and they will come. But your heart's not going to be in it. If you lose $1,000, if you lose $100,000, your heart's not in it because your heart's in God. That's what I'm saying. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that comes to me shall never hungry, 
hunger, and he that believes on me shall never thirst. Once again, if we come to Christ, the ultimate bread, the ultimate bread of our life, if we come to him, we will never hunger after the world. We'll never hunger for a fancier car. We'll never hunger for a nicer, bigger house just out of, just to, to get a bigger house. Not that your family's growing or not that you need to move out or not that you want a, um, a different location. You're not going to hunger to stand out from the crowd because you're, you're trying to wear brand clothing or you're trying to look cooler. You're not going to paint your hair to stand out just because you want to be different. You're not going to hunger for those attention because you're going to find that in God. Only a relationship in seeking after Jesus can our heart's hunger be satisfied. Um, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Like I mentioned earlier, the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And if we constantly feed the flesh, if we constantly feed those new, that, that desire for those new shoes, that desire for that new vehicle, that desire for the new position, that desire for some kind of acceptance amongst your peers, if we're hungry and we're seeking those things, we're never going to be satisfied. And we're going to end up like those people that are halfway in the world and halfway in the church. Real quickly, I'll read. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. So this is the difference. This is the dividing factor. The works of the flesh are the ones uh, uh, that, that are cold, that Jesus calls cold. The works of the spirit are the ones Jesus calls hot. Lukewarm is right in the middle. So let's see if each or any of us have any of these things in our life. And if we do, if we find ourselves in a position of lukewarmness, we need to strive to get out of that position. You either go fully cold or you go fully hot. I would suggest you go fully hot. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, which is sex out of wedlock, uncleanliness, lavish, uh, lasciviousness, idolatry, which is just extreme admiration, of love for something other than God. It could be your phone. It can be Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. It can be an NFL team. The list goes on and on and on. It could be a sport. It could be a friend. Idolatry is huge. Witchcraft, hatred, variance, which is just, just trying to be different for the sake of being different. Emulations, which is trying to match or surpass another person. I think this is very prevalent in the Slavic Churches, unfortunately, we see so many people trying to outdo each other with nicer, fancier cars. Well, I got a $100,000 Lexus. Well, I got a $200,000 Lamborghini. And people are trying to outdo each other just for the sake of outdoing one another. What are they hungry for? What are you hungry for? Are you trying to outdo someone else? Are you trying to outwear someone else? Are you trying to buy nicer, fancier clothes, nicer, fancier phones? Are you trying to speak better or be cooler than someone else just because you want to stand apart from them? Wrath, strife, disagreement over fundamental issues, seditions, which is encouraging other people to disobey authority, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness. Is anyone playing with alcohol? Is anyone seeking some kind of satisfaction from getting drunk? I'm not talking about having a beer or drinking wine. That's a, that's a complete, drinking a glass of wine. That's a completely different topic for a different time. I'm talking about drunkenness, getting drunk. Um, and such of the like, which I tell you before, as I've also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Guys, if you practice these things, if you continue doing these things, right, you are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. 
It's not that you did it once. It's that you continue living in this sin. You continue living and flirting with the world. You're trying to find your satisfaction from something that's of the world, not of God. If you continue to live this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, three things that I wanted to leave with you tonight, if you, don't, if you didn't remember or understand anything. One, we oftentimes have misplaced hunger in our lives, especially as young people. We hunger for something. We hunger for success. We hunger for higher education. We hunger for some kind of recognition from our peers. We hunger for something. And I want us to focus on the right placement of hunger. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, after God, after his law. Two, um, Jesus is the bread of life. If we come to him, we have to understand, if we come to Jesus, if we continually come to him, we are no longer going to hunger after the things of this world. They're just going to fall away. And three, we have to crucify our flesh. Like Apostle Paul said, crucify my flesh daily. We hunger for things of this world. And sometimes we really just want to do something that's just sinful and it feels good, right? We, we stumble, we fall, we get up. If you can, in your spirit, if you can crucify that fleshly desire, you're going to be a victor. And you're going to start getting warmer and warmer, hotter and hotter outside of this lukewarm position. So tonight, let's just stand up to our feet before we finish in prayer. And remember that the lukewarm position is a very dangerous position. Let's bump ourselves a little bit upwards from that so then Jesus is actually satisfied with us in our lives. Let's pray.